Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hey, Christina. Hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm I'm hanging in there, girl. It's it's after the holidays and uh, just trying to get my head back in the game. It's after one holiday. Wow. We never know when we're going to air these episodes, but so I always we might just... as well just be honest. This is post Thanksgiving <laughs> for us, that so we're all a little like, where's my microphone even at? Kind of thing. We took last <laughs> week off from recording. But Christina, I do have to tell you one thing because I said I was going to do this. We had a restaurant this weekend. That I said I was going to give a shout on our show because it was so freaking delicious. And we were in Atlanta, Georgia, and we were in the, I think it's the West Side Provisions District, but it was called Forzo Storico, Forzo Storico. And it was the most amazing Italian restaurant, but we're not talking just gloppy tomato sauce, oils, and garlic. We're talking pasta that melted in your mouth Mm. and the best caprese salad I've ever had. If you're over there, it's um, not far from Ikea and Atlantic Station. And we just had the best meal. So shout out to the guys over there. But we covered three states. We saw all the family. We did all the things. We went to a play. We played pickleball. What about you? Um, I did not do that much stuff. Uh, I watched Yellowstone, which I was so excited. I love this series, Yellowstone. So if you haven't watched when you it, I said you had found that. I, I felt a little part of my heart die. I just, I love Beth. I, I aspire to be her when I grow up. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> isn't she like a drunk or something? She's drunk, She's crazy bossy. freeloader, She's bossy, but bossy, you, boss. Hey, you, you no need to aspire to that. You, you've got it. <laughs> So good holidays to all whenever you're listening to this. I don't know if it'll air before or after Christmas, but whenever you hear it, we always wish our listeners well. So yes. we have a returning guest today, Christina. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do, we do. Carly Ann is back and she is a trauma-informed, wait a minute, let me look at my notes. I always get it wrong. <laughs> trauma and attachment and trauma-informed coach. So she teaches a lot about attachment styles. And we've done one episode with a big general bird's eye view on attachment styles. But one of the things we wanted to circle back to was something called protest behaviors. And I was laughing when we were talking this morning. I'm like, I feel like Christine and I have all the protest behaviors. <laughs> we can go to our cave. We can literally protest with a sign. We can shoot people birds. We can throw tantrums. I don't know if that's what Carly Ann's going to talk about, but that is always our protest. So she's coming to us from London in the UK today. So um, what time is it there, Carly Ann? It is 7.45 or 5.45. It's 5.45 in the PM. So yeah. well, welcome back to the show, Carly Ann. Thank you for having me back. Now, is Europe a buzz with holiday preparations for Christmas? Yes, I would say yes, like it's there. Personally, 
I'm not quite there yet, <laughs> but it's happening around me slowly. Yeah, I feel it, Carly. I feel it. <laughs> My neighbors have been going for weeks, y'all. I mean, they, we're going to just, it's just going to back all the way up to Valentine's soon that we start decorating for Christmas. It's a little out of hand, but today is, um, when we're recording this is Cyber Monday. So if we have any internet problems, that's probably all the people shopping. Are shopping. So we're going to wish for the best. But Carly Ann, um, just quickly, would you give a little explanation of what you do and what attachment styles are for those who may have missed that episode? Yeah, of course. So like you say, my name is Carly Ann. I am an attachment and trauma-informed coach. So I basically work with people mainly that have reoccurring relationship difficulties with themselves or with others. And I work through a lens of attachment theory. So attachment theory is really looking at how we connect with people, you know, how much we trust, how secure we feel within our relationships. And then within attachment theory, we each have different styles so we tend to be quite secure in love, secure in our relationships, or we can feel insecure. And when we feel insecure, we either act out, we can be really, really anxious or avoid things altogether. And then so that leads us to our protest behaviors. So I understand from what you're saying and, you know, just studying these kind of things in general, there's a big link between the security level in a relationship and the behaviors and health of the relationship. Am I right about that? Say that again. There's a big link between what? Security and the health of the relationship and the behaviors in the relationship. That seems to be kind of the yeah. pivotal piece is how secure are you? Yeah, Let's chat about that a little bit before well, we dive into the protest and yeah. what that might so look like. So how safe we feel how safe we feel within our relationships, how safe we feel getting close to someone, around someone, trusting someone, how we feel with space is a huge one mm. when we're apart, you know, and when there's relationship difficulties and struggles, which we all have, you know, every relationship has its challenges. And when we're insecure, we'll often really make those challenges about ourselves. They become very personal. They become hugely linked with the past, you know, all of those assumptions that we might already have about love. And it kind of brings all of that back up. And we have these strategies, these automatic behaviors in place to protect ourselves, you know, to protect ourselves from getting hurt again, because often people that feel insecure have been let down or not had their needs met. There might not always be something specific people can remember. Sure. But, you know, somewhere along the line. Well, let, let's do this, too, because, you know, some of our, our audience might not have heard the other um, the other recording. Tell us the four different attachment styles, just because I know we're going to go into the protest behaviors of um, if we can get through, uh, you know, one of them, maybe a couple of them. But just uh, giving the overview really quickly of what that looks like. Yeah, of course. So we have, we'll start with secure attachment. So those of us that are securely attached, we tend to be able to communicate our needs. We know our boundaries. We can set those boundaries. We, you know, everything doesn't link to a fear of being unloved, abandoned, rejected. We're quite comfortable with space and being together in relationship. Mm. 
Under the insecure umbrella, we have anxious attachment. So there's a strong belief there that people leave. Love doesn't last. I'm going to get hurt. And as a way to protect yourself against that, it tends to be these very anxious behaviors that we'll talk about today. We have avoidant attachment where, again, underlying fears of, you know, mistrust and what it means to to love someone in terms of abandonment and, and losing people. But their behaviors tend to be more about keeping that anxiety at bay through avoiding getting too close, avoiding opening up too much, avoiding that trust. And then we have fearful avoidance. So that's really a mixture of anxious and avoidance. So you'll see a complete yeah, mix between the two really, depending on perhaps who's in front of you, mm-hmm. what the stress is. We tend to really be able to see the strategy we're falling into when we're under stress. Mm. Because we all okay. have, I think I would have said this last time, but we all have a mixture of all three of them, uh, all four of them. Okay, I have a question about this. So mm. can your attachment style change over yes. time or is yes. it said at some point? So it, it can be changed. Yeah, we know now, certainly the further back you go into attachment research, perhaps it wasn't as clear cut, but we can really see now that we can change the way that we think, we can change the way that we feel, because we can train ourselves to feel safer, essentially in our bodies with the relationship that we have us with ourselves. And that in turn changes our attachment style. But it's like you said, it is over time. But yeah, we can really see it can happen, but there has to be a willingness, there has to be a commitment, there really has to be um, things in place that cultivate change. It's not just a cognitive promise to ourselves that we're not going to do it next time. Mm. So Very cool. how much of our initial like adult strategies come from our childhood? I mean, I would say as time is going on, we're definitely more open to the idea that it is not only childhood that it comes from. You know, it can be past relationships, generational, lots of other factors. But primarily, really, when you do look at the research, when you look at the connections, if I think of the work that I do with my clients, most of the time, we can really see those patterns with our childhood. And yeah, it's difficult to deny that, really. Very cool. Mm. I just okay. love I love hearing about the attachment styles just because so many people have a, a big struggle with connecting with other people. And it's because they haven't connected with themselves first. And I think that once you start to dive in and do your own work, you're able to see how you react in other situations with different people. Because I know for myself, when I'm in front of a family member, I might respond differently. Actually, I know I do than somebody who um, is a friend who I feel like has betrayed me. You know, then I'm like, nope, I'm going to avoid you at all costs because I'm seeing through this hard filter that I should have just trusted myself to know that this is what you were going to do. 
and then I get all internal about it. So um, let's go into talking about these protest behaviors because um, <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be painful. <laughs> I have a feeling it is too, Gail. Like I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm like <laughs> loaded over here. <laughs> little so, triggered, little triggered. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this, Carly. And what what is a protest behavior? Um, let's start there. What is a protest behavior? Yeah. Do you know, before I say them, I would just love to point out because, you know, your responses to hearing about these protest behaviors, they're, they're what so many people feel. <laughs> and I always start anytime I'm teaching them, anytime I'm coaching them what, what under whatever umbrella it is, of just making it clear that it can be quite activating. And in fact, every emotion, worrying, it can trigger sadness when you hear these for the first time, especially if there's a rela- say if there's a relationship in the past that didn't work out. People be like, if I had known this, it would never have happened. Mm. So just to really mm. normalize that. And also for all three of us and anyone listening, like, we are not these behaviors. We're so much, so much more than these behaviors. But have they been our strategies at some point? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> protest behaviors. Mm. Typically, I talked about amongst the anxious attachment, but listen, like I say, we all have a mixture of the different attachment styles. So even if you lean more towards secure or avoidant, you might still see yourself in some of these behaviors. So typically, people will display these actions, behaviors, when there is that perceived threat or stress towards their relationship whether that means that it's going to end or it's going to mean that they're unlovable this proves that I'm not worthy whatever it is that kind of attachment trigger for them the relationship trigger automatically we then have these moments where we become merged with those old beliefs about ourselves that I'm not good enough Mm. everyone leaves my partner's going to meet someone else today they're about to cancel this day, whatever it might be. We come fully merged with it and we have these automatic strategies in place and it's these protest behaviors. And I guess they're called protest because they do tend to be like kind of demanding an element of controlling. And I say it with that sort of hesitation because it's not like we're sat there like, right, I'm going to manipulate and control this person. You know, it's not like that, but if we look at them, they can be, mm. yeah, sort of that element of control within them because you are trying to get control, essentially, trying to stop someone leaving or, you know, proving that you're not worthy. So, yeah, they're there to prevent that abandonment and that, yeah, the confirmation that I'm going to be left or hurt or let down. So so when you're looking at this, because to me, it's like, when you say that old beliefs merged with the perceived threat, it starts to formulate a story. And that's what I hear you saying is that now I am fully immersed in a story about myself, about the situation, about this person in front of me from a past relationship, a past hurt, a past whatever. And now I'm only seeing through that filter is that how you're well, isn't that kind of life it? in general that we yeah. how we react and how we feel about things, how things impact us is based with the current situation, the current things around us being 
translated through our old beliefs and our belief system. Carly Ann, absolutely, you're the expert yeah, here. Absolutely. We just spitball. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, you know, as well of the beliefs, it's our body remembering. We have these ah. physical sensations. So people I work with, they, they tend to either, when that trigger happens, whatever that might be, insert your own trigger. It might be tone of voice that someone uses. It might be them cancelling a plan or not texting back in a certain amount of time. And the two ways people will probably notice first that they're triggered is either through those thoughts mm-hmm. Or it'll be through like the feeling, the sensations. We'll have all of them, but it's just which one is kind of your first sign, if you like. Yeah, this is interesting because I had to be around someone this weekend that has made me feel insecure. And Mm. it's a very damaged relationship. And when they come around, my body has the desire, like everything within me tells me to protect myself and go somewhere like, I don't want to be out in the open room. I want to go in a corner. And I know people say, well, you're going to be cornered up. It's not like that. I feel safe there. I don't I don't want to be all exposed on all sides. Is that what you mean by space, carly Is that what you mean by space? Because she's, to me, I mean, I'm literal. So she's talking about like, I want to go be in a corner. I don't feel safe in this space. But this space right here makes me feel like I can control the situation. Is that is that the same thing? When I'm talking about space, so amongst like attachment styles, mm-hmm. someone who's anxious, I would mean like time apart, proximity. Oh, okay. So yes, in ter- I guess in terms mm-hmm. of being around that person, mm-hmm. it's it's difficult, right? This is where the, the gray areas are because if you are someone that is grounded in yourself and you know yourself and you know the feeling when you're around someone that you can't trust, you'll know I have a choice to do like you did, which is I need to physically move away. Mm. Or some people, it might be not physical, but to energetically protect yourself. You know, we've all got that Christmas dinner coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. (laughs) That said, (laughs) when it It comes to a lot of, when it comes to a lot of my clients, that feeling isn't always accurate, right? Because they're having that perhaps around someone that they actually could trust, mm. you know, but this their is body the person tells them has they can't. betrayed my trust emotionally. And yeah, that's what I mean. So you, you're making that kind of um, grounded conscious choice, right? So it was, it just hit on me when you said of physical symptoms, like I physically felt a flight reaction like I want to step back I want to go get grounded here they come I want to get in position I don't want to be super exposed I want to be in the corner I want to be away from the main of it and that made me feel more comfortable to physically move my body to another place in the room and so that just hit me when you talked about you know that physical you know but we are yeah we have instincts just like animals do. Like it's almost like when, you know, a dog's hair on the back of its neck. That was kind of the feeling I had. There was something I could feel it around my arms and shoulders, especially this feeling of I want to retreat and I want to go to a place where I can like hunker in. So just want to share yeah. that if people are wondering about what these physical feelings might feel like when you're around someone and you get the feeling to move your body to sit somewhere else, you experience a pain, your stomach hurts. This is, these are the physical manifestations of trauma and pain and fear and all that. So tell me how I'm going to protest. Carly <laughs> Ann. 
Well, because that's the thing, right? Some Sometimes I'm working with people where we're saying, yeah, absolutely move away. And sometimes I'm working with people that are saying, I keep moving away from people that didn't hurt me. How do I, how do I stay there? And it could be that we're like, yeah, move away initially. But sometimes it's about leaning in. But I love that you're like, no, I know this. I actually trust my body. Whereas a lot of the people that I'm working with, they don't have that kind of trust with their their body. Mm. I'm not going to tell it, you it, it works because they came straight <laughs> to my corner and I'm like, fudge, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I felt myself, uh, th- this is a hurt that's deeply painful for me, but I felt myself physically being unable to make eye contact. And I don't usually struggle with eye contact. If you, Christina can mm. tell you, I'm a <laughs> kind of girl, but I was just like, so uncomfortable and so aroused is not right the word but incensed like having these physical uncomfortableness that I just couldn't it was just so all right let's move on let's talk about (laughs) these types of protest behaviors I can't wait let's go do you want me to start listing them (laughs) yes (laughs) let's go let's just go because we'll talk till the show's over and never get it done (laughs) so we typically have six oh and you might see a mixture of both you might be like oh with this person I'm like that and this person I do this and yeah that that's just all completely normal and the word protest is basically another word for a reaction yeah I would say so absolutely So how we react, right, when we're in that moment, we're act, like we're triggered, we're activated, mm-hmm. attachment system, the alarm bells are going off and we have these, these automatic reactions. Some of them, now listen, like you say, they could be choices, mm. but typically we're looking at when it's not a choice, it's just acting out and quite often acting out of character. I'm sure I've done them all. Yeah, me too I have I still do absolutely and I do this for work you know but I can see it a lot quicker so mm-hmm. should I tell you the first yes. one first yes. one I'll talk to you about is excessive attempts to establish or re-establish contact with someone this is one that I used to fall into so much it's like I'm not gonna lie I don't beat myself up but it is embarrassing when I think of some of the ways I fell into this. So this is when you're not you're, alone. You're not alone, my friend. I'm here. <laughs> I, I see this was. I can see myself at sixteen. Oh dear Jesus! Yeah, yeah. So it looked <laughs> exactly. Typically, this would you would say perhaps like you've got some physical space between you. It doesn't have to be. You could be in the same house. You know. So it doesn't have to be someone you're in a relationship with. It could be any type of relationships, but it's like that excessive texting, calling, messaging, that Mm. prodding, trying to get that contact because there's this kind of internal, usually unconscious belief that this is how I am going to know that they still love me. This is how I'm going to know that everything's okay. And once I have that contact, contact again, we're good. Mm. I'm making no confessions except I recognize it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I recognize uh, it. Go ahead, Christina. You make. A, I've confessed all my crap. Your turn. No, not not saying a word on this one. Not saying a word. I think. I think because when you are young and maybe you do this when you're older too but i i know when i was young um i i did this 
very young, not, not not fully formulated in the brain yet. You know, I not only did it, I was a master at it. I did it and did it a lot and well. And you know, I work with people. We we talk about age, but I work with people the whole range of age. And when the anxious attachment is still there and there's been no healing, mm. this behavior is still very much there. Wow, you know. And it doesn't, like I say, th- this, it doesn't even have to be like having, like speaking to someone. Right. It might f- be feeling like I need to, I need them to hug me before they go. Like I need to, otherwise they don't love me. Or it might be, you know, I've worked with people who just try and walk by their house. There's something about that kind of getting that sense of safety to get physically closer in some way. Even if that's to prove, okay, well, because they're not with someone else right now. Wow. So there's this excessive need, and it's need, you know. I think this is the key thing, especially if there's anyone out there who's trying to do the no contact or anything like that, and then they have, this is their protest behavior. You feel near impossible, and you've got all of these top tips of how to do the no contact, and this is your behavior, this is your action. You, then you feel like you're doing wrong and you're doing bad because I can't do the no contact or I can't stop texting them, you know, and it can be really difficult for a relationship because being on the receiving end of this mm. is the, a real challenge as well. Mine was more indirect. It wasn't, I'm going to text them. It was more, you know, bump into them plan. Yes. You're going to bump yes, into thank me. thank you. Oh, and then when you bump into me, oh. shut up, Christina. You're going to fall back in love with me. You're going to remember <laughs> how lovely I am and all the oh. reasons. And shut up, Christina. Do not laugh at me. <laughs> the checking, like, don't you know, bump checking into WhatsApp. <laughs> Please. I'm just not, I don't want to, I don't want to bump into anybody. <laughs> But no, that was one of my ways that anyone who had left me was going to regret it. They were going to see me looking fantastic and regret it. Then they were going to come crawling back. That was the plan. Like I said, in my 20s, maybe. um, Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about yesterday. (laughs) No, no. You know, I'm in my midlife. Don't give a rip load. I can see myself in this one. This is a huge one for me of the six. I'm going to say that probably for each of them, but it is. And I can still, this can get triggered with my current partner and he will do the opposite. So we completely go in these two different ways. And the more he does the opposite, the more I want to contact. Mm. And I know it's no good. It does me no good, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, this is still one of but my automatic reactions. To, you're on my. It's a oh my goodness, my whole body feeling. Yes, you're like okay. What's the next one? Can't wait. Christine's gonna get hers in a minute. <laughs> withdrawing. Oh, so this is that <laughs> ignoring, closing down, not taking calls. You know, it might be like going silent. <laughs> really withdrawing your energy <laughs> your voice your love you know you, it's yeah taking it away i can say that christina practices this <laughs> now on a regular basis <laughs> that's why i'm it's laughing her, it's <laughs> one of her go-tos it is it is can relate it, to this oh one. wholeheartedly i'll withdraw because there's a couple of things and and i don't know if your clients think this but this is this is a couple of things that are happening for me is 
Um, I'm trying to sift through what, what you were talking about earlier. I'm trying to sift through um, the story, right? Um, and is this story true? Because under stress, you know, I'm I'm perceiving this thing. And you said it was a your old belief merged with the perceived threat, right? So for me, the reason I withdraw is because I'm trying to make sure, am I, am I doing this right? You know, am I seeing this clearly? And typically I'll go to therapy because I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm seeing this right. So instead of causing more hurt or harm to somebody else or myself, I'll withdraw. And, and then sometimes it's like, no, I just want to sit in the shit for a little bit and I just want to wallow and be in the story and keep telling myself this story until it hurts too much for me to then go say something to somebody. Does that make sense? <laughs> so much, so much sense. <laughs> I used to do the, well, yeah, this is one where I see a lot of my younger self in this one, but it's one that I'm probably really, really proud actually of the way that I work through this one because I can remember when I used to be upset, it just could be over anything. So for me, the core of this was I couldn't use my voice. Mm. It's that I couldn't physically say what I wanted to say. And so I would just go, I would go silent. I remember my ex-partner being like, I've got no idea. I know you're upset with me, but I've got no idea. Whereas now I can feel myself in it. I can feel the need to withdraw and I can, I can practice against it, which is great. Withdrawal (laughs) is one of my later stage reactions. And if it goes that Mm. far, you better hide (laughs) because it's bad because I am not, I'm going to use the word confrontational, but it's not a negative word. I like to resolve issues and problems. And so I will confront them head on and have the moment of uncomfortableness with everyone to get through it. Because usually things are misunderstandings. So if I go radio silent for very long and I withdraw, I'm probably pretty upset, pretty angry, or really having to spend some time processing it all and my feelings and my response. Because it is so against my nature to go silent. Now, I've, I've learned that going silent can be beneficial to slow down, think everything doesn't have to be resolved right now, but it can also be people in my life know that can be a huge warning sign that it's really bad. <laughs> I, mm. I go silent with my I, husband. Like if it's that's did. punishment, that's different. Well, no, it's, it's not. It's like, it, it, there's certain things that, you know, you get into arguments and you're like, hmm, okay, I need a moment. And and he knows. Well, <laughs> when I'm silent, that kind of means you're not even worth me debating this with right now. So I'm going to. That's like a. It's a. It's 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 not good if if you get that from me. Just watch out. Isn't this it though? Like, it's a lot about intention and how present you are. Mm-hmm. Because if you're making this conscious choice to take that space to go inwards. That's different to an automatic reaction of just going silent and sulking and, you know, all of the things that come with that, that silence that because the silence can, it can be quite, well, not quite, but it can be passive aggressive. 
Oh yeah, no, I can we, be totally we're passive trying aggressive. to communicate ourselves. What's your point, Carly? I think of course I'm passive aggressive. I think in that it's moment. different to that intentional withdrawal where you know it's best for you. Oh Lord. Because sometimes I am withdrawing because I want you to follow me, i.e. my husband, and fix it. But sometimes if I'm really wanting you to not bother me, that's when your the meter is way off over here and you better just put on your gear because it's on. So what's number yeah. three? So in terms of the next one, we're looking at keeping score. So oh. this is like that tit for tat, you know, waiting. I'm going to see when was the last time you apologized and is it my turn to apologize? And, you know, how long did you, uh, long ago did you text me? And I'm going to leave it that long until I text you or call you back. It's very much these expectations around, yeah, I'll do for you what you do for me. I get all of these though, just to say you can see benefits in all of these. There could be, but again, it's about that intention mm. when it's it's difficult to get close to someone when we're only making choices out of how they act and what their behavior is and who they this are. This was making me laugh because as a middle-aged woman, you know, I can't remember why I walked in the next room, but I can remember every time you hurt me for the last 23 and a half years. If you hurt me, you left me out, you slighted me, you ridiculed me. I, I have a fantastic memory for keeping score. Yes, it's not, so you'll remember. I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I am a, one book I was reading talked about people who collect stones and you collect stones and then you throw them all at one time. Or you collect stones and build a wall. I do both of those things. Like I will let you go and go. And then when I've had enough, I'm going to tell you everything you've done wrong for the last 10 years that has just been wrong and hurtful. And sometimes people feel like that that's not fair. And I'm over here thinking, well, it's very fair because I gave you all these chances <laughs> to not have to hear it. So what say you, Carly Ann, about this type of protest? <laughs> So bringing things up from the past. Well, just just the things that I've made note of. <laughs> yeah, look, I guess, you know, typically if we want to have a healthy conversation and a healthy bit of conflict, we probably do want to stay focused on what's, yeah, what the argument is about and things like that. Will we bring up things from the past, especially if we're keeping score? And listen, people with an anxious attachment, especially, they are detectives. They remember everything. And that's not through any fault of their own. That's to me, it's how, like a court how case. they function. I'm presenting my case and I have all this evidence of why <laughs> you are wrong and how many times I've let you get by with it. So I need you to understand that I have noticed the other 87 times you did that. So that's kind of, it's it's like a court yeah. proceeding for me. Yeah. I guess it would be a coincidence if that's the same with like everyone. But if there's like one person that you have that with, then I guess that would make a bit more sense, right? But if you saw that pattern in every relationship, then probably that would be, there would be something there that, that you're bringing, right? <laughs> collector. Collector mm. bones. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it, but I also wouldn't if if it's something that you were saying to me. I have this me, need. I'd be like, yeah, for go them for it to then. know all the times I've overlooked their behavior. Mm. So, like, I'm going to give you this whole like list, yeah, so that you see that I am not just being reactive here. I've let this go 23 times, so 
I'm obviously mm. not the problem. You are. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm coming from. <laughs> because if they yeah. don't know, I've noticed it before, then they're, they might act like I'm just being overreactive. But I'm not being overreactive if you've already done it 23 times. Yeah. And I let it go. I was mm. gracious. Right. Well, there might be an argument in not letting it go 23 times. <laughs> just saying. Depends on how much I like you, how many times I let it go. <laughs> I think I'm being gracious and letting it go. Um, (laughs) And that's a boundary, I guess. That's been part of my growth is to not jump on things when someone makes one little thing, you know, give grace, give space, let them, you know, we're all, you know, in process here. But then if they don't make, if they don't do better, I'm going to let them know. Yeah, we have to know our boundaries and how to respond, right? If if someone keeps crossing our boundaries. Well, I think I think well, here's it, here's the deal. It's like I feel like for some of us, we have to let people know why they were wrong. Like you are wrong and I need to let you know. But the people that we're telling like you are wrong too are not going to listen to us anyway, because they kept doing it 36 times, like you were saying. So I think that there's a, there's a space to say, well, is this relationship even worth continuing if I have to continue to do, um, this giving grace 36 times? Like, is that kind of fair to say too? I mean, that's what I would do. I'd be like, well, "Ah, this isn't worth it for me to be in this relationship because it's, I keep having to do this. I guess like, I'm sure we could come up with every angle of this, but also what I feel like is using that example of that other person being wrong. And even if they are wrong, I guess if we let it go 23 times, were we expecting them just to change their behavior? Mm. Were we expecting them to read our mind? Were we just, maybe I'm not saying, you would hope that they would know it was wrong if it's wrong. If it, um, unless it's our standards of wrong, which you know they might not think is wrong. Um, yeah, there's. I'm, I guess I'm imagining myself like, I don't know. Let's say a lot of people will be thinking about romantic relationships as well. Mm. So let's say I go to my partner, for example, and said twenty three times, thinking about the keeping the score, twenty three times this X, Y, and Z, Z happened. He's going to say to me. Why didn't you say something? I would like I, you know, give me a chance. <laughs> it's really difficult. I get that. I don't know the the specific situations that we're talking about, but it's I guess for people listening as well, it it can be really great that we can start seeing the solution as using our voice mm. and sharing what we feel if it's safe to do so, and if it's not, a bit like what Gail was saying earlier about knowing when to leave, yeah. whether that's physically like I say, energetically, whatever it might be, you know. Mm. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break to thank those people who make the show possible. And then we'll come back with the other three. Hello, it's your girl Gail here. Have you ever walked into your closet and thought, I have nothing to wear? Do you ever feel frumpy or like the clothes you're wearing don't represent who you really are? Or maybe you've experienced a lifestyle change, maybe a job change, weight loss or gain, a divorce, a new dating situation, whatever it is, if you need help looking your best, I'm your girl. I'd like to tell you about my personalized style and wardrobe planning package. 
This package includes a visit to your style, where we figure out who you really are and how your outside can represent your inside. We talk about body shape and the image that you want to present there and what styles and shapes will work best for you. We also talk about your signature colors and what things are going to make you shine. We edit your closet. We do some shopping for you that you can purchase now or purchase later. And I style the pieces you already have with anything new that you add. All of this is part of the personalized style and wardrobe planning package. I'm signing clients for spring and you don't want me to get full and miss out. So if you'd like to get in the group or just get my time one-on-one, please let me know by emailing gailscott at bellsouth.net or reaching out through any of my social media channels. Let's make you look your absolute best this spring. Well, welcome back, guys. Today, we have Carly Ann back, and she's a specialist in um, in attachment styles, which is our topic today. And we have done an episode on this already, but now we're talking about protest behaviors as a part of attachment styles. And so we're kind of halfway through the list. We've done one, <laughs> two, three. Let's go with four, Carly Ann. So this one, we're looking at acting hostile. (laughs) (laughs) Automatic reaction. I'm sure we've all been there. Who would do such a thing? (laughs) I guess it can be really subtle and it takes a lot to admit this one. We have to remember like nonverbal communicating is communicating. I've worked with people who said like, I I just, you know, don't tell people when I'm mad. And then they talk through their reactions. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of hostility there. I'm sure people can tell you're mad. That's the eye rolling, the ignoring again, the walking away. Perhaps it's the leaving the room. But again, the intention is different, right? We might, that sort of slamming the door a little bit. And it's that indirect, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, or I'm sad. I shouldn't, you know, it's not just those Mm. typical emotions. It might be sadness. It might be fear. But yeah, we, it's quite hostile. It's hard to admit this one, I think. Is pouting hostile? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, look, this one's a difficult one, right? Because I guess it also dep- depends on who's receiving right, it as well. Right. But we can tell when we're being hostile, right? We're, oh, that we can feel it in our bones when mm-hmm. we are. And again, I do just want to say it's a bit like what I was saying about the withdrawing. We might know we're doing this. And especially the more we've been doing the inner work, all of us, everything in us wants us to stop. I, I don't want to do this, but that sarcastic reaction, it's already come out my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my tone. I know, I know when I'm being, yeah, when I'm being hostile, it's my tone. It's uh, my therapist says it all the time. She's all, okay, so you're saying it like <laughs> you're saying the words, but your tone and your facial expression, this is why I do a lot of Botox, so people can't tell that you know, I'm really upset with you. (laughs) You just can't tell. Um, But you can hear it in my tone and how I deliver it. It's, it's with, um, mm, like, I'm just gonna, (laughs) you know, yeah, I'm not gonna say, I know the tone. (laughs) Gail, stop it. And I, I I can't stand. My husband has a tone. He has a tone, and it makes me just furious. I'm like, don't what? 
Like if he's the least bit grumpy in his voice, even if he's just distracted, I'm like, why are you talking to me that way? <laughs> I need him to talk with, you know. Love. Like he's just <laughs> love. <laughs> so Carly and give us an isn't it with this one? It's not like we sit there and make this decision. I'm going to be hostile now. And I think that's what people can really mm-hmm. forget. We must remember that these are protective strategies, you know, to keep that thing, that threat distant right now. And like I say, sometimes it's that we just, we can't use our voice and say what we really want to say. And this is how we're talking. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, well, I'm telling you something's wrong. I just need you to figure out what it is. But from my mood, you can tell. Mm. Because that's what we want. We really want them to know something's up. You know what I hate though when somebody has an attitude or they have (laughs) a tone, but then they tell you nothing's wrong. That is, oh, now that one sends me reeling. But that might be somebody who's like passive aggressive, right? I mean. Yes. Yeah. So So this is where, what I was saying about myself earlier, it was not knowing how to verbalize the words or knowing that it's safe to say that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they only know to say nothing's wrong. They've got this automatic reaction, which is let's say it's being hostile. The reason they're being hostile is because they don't know how to say this is what's wrong and communicate that kind of more secure attachment. So when you ask them, they still have that same inability to communicate. So yeah, it'll be nothing. But you you can almost guarantee for a lot of people that underneath they would love to share. They would love to share, but they don't know how to. It's not being safe for them. And so it's nothing. But you can I can literally feel it like the times like I've worked through it a lot now. But all I wanted to say was what was wrong. Mm. But there's this fear. If I was to tell you what was wrong, what's wrong is that you just mentioned your ex-girlfriend. What's wrong is something that's a story in my head that's based on no reality sometimes that's what's wrong I Mm. can't say that to this person you know I mean I could now but or I wouldn't need to now (laughs) but there's times that you know that's been the reality and so what's easier nothing's wrong Mm. you know Nothing. Everything is fine. This is yeah, nothing. nothing is fine. It's everything's fine. <laughs> nothing's fine. That just drives me nuts when people say that. Okay, number five. Again, another one that's very maybe the hardest to admit is a manipulation. Mm, I hate this one. is the yeah, not answering calls, it's game playing. There might be threatening to leave, mm-hmm. you know, things where, again, very similar, though, to what I was just saying, they do, we must remember, when I'm talking about attachment, they do come, they don't come from this intentionally negative place or intentionally hostile place. So, yeah, the, the attempts to manipulate and control in order for you to choose me, for you to come home, for you to love me, for whatever it might be, for you to hear me. <laughs> you know for, for me to be right yeah i i see mm. a lot of people doing manipulation and i've i've worked on myself so much that i can see when people do the manipulation and i that's when i start to get hostile like i feel it in my body and i'm like you better you better not i i had a um we are no longer friends but i had a friend um years back and she would um she would do this and it was because of the unhealthy 
uh, marriage that she was in for so many years. And this is how she did things and how she spoke to people. I mean, still today, she's very unhealthy. Um, but it was just a constant and I would call her out on it because we were friends at the time. So I would call her out on it. I would say, you stop it. You are manipulating a situation right now and you need to stop. Like, I'm not going to accept this. And so then the tone of my voice was like, because I don't, I don't like it. It's ugly. So yeah, this one really riles me And it me takes up. an awful lot to, yeah, it's, and doesn't it take so much for, because the person will often, it depend, again, it, I always say like, it really depends on where you, I guess people listening to this, right, we're into that personal development. So it depends on where people are on their journey. If it's so early on that you don't even see it's manipulation, it just is this automatic reaction, or it's a bit further down the line and you are starting to feel like, why do I do that? Mm-hmm. Why do I say that? Mm-hmm. As an Enneagram eight, manipulating me is one of the worst things you can Mm -hmm. do to betray my trust. No one wants to be manipulated, right? Don't, don't. And you know it. And (laughs) someone's standing there smiling at you and you know it. It just makes me so fierce. I I am going to step back and I wonder what you think about this. I think we're all manipulative to to an extent, just as humans. We all have ways that we do things and get what we want. That's not what I'm really talking about here. I'm talking about these people that just clearly, you know, take advantage. It's for their benefit. It's, they're just completely, you know, especially those, you know, gaslighting and narcissism Mm -hmm. and all that, like being Mm -hmm. gaslit makes me lose my mind. Um, it, it just I, that makes me want to stab someone. Like get a pitchfork and say, "Stop it! Stop!" Maybe I'm we don't putting. Say <laughs> well, you know, because when you're being gaslit, it tends to go. It, it's like a being on a merry-go-round, mm-hmm. and you can't get off mm-hmm. because they'll try to make you think you're chasing your tail and you're crazy. And I just want to take that pitchfork and at least stab it in the ground and say, <laughs> "No, I am not going to play this game with you. Step off the merry-go-round and walk away, and let me know when you want to act like a." normal human adult but Mm. yeah i hate manipulation so what's number six carly this one is playing the jealousy card making them feel jealous or at least attempting to make them feel jealous and when that doesn't work thinking well they must not love me clearly you don't care about Mm. me but because quite often with the anxiety, they experience jealousy a lot. So it's kind of one of their signs of love. So, yeah, making plans with an ex, it could be, or talking about someone that, I don't know, winked at you today or an attractive co-worker, whatever it might be. There's attempts to, yeah, kind of trigger that jealousy in them mm. and say if that's a secure person and they're quite open to you, I don't know having friends of the opposite sex. Oh, no. Mm -mm. And you're like, well, they don't even care about me. Oh, no. Whatever it might be. (laughs) I'm like, don't touch my husband. You touch my husband, I will stab you. Don't touch him. Don't even Oh, now you're stabbing people. It's okay. (laughs) I see how this the devil's of time. (laughs) I am one of those people. Don't you dare. I, I know that it's like when people like, you know, if we're out and, um, you know, the server, you know, just like, and sir, what would you like? I'm like, no, are you crazy? Are you not like you? Did you just really touch my husband? 
you have an issue with this. Don't touch my husband. You can. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know. Maybe <laughs> touch him. <laughs> Don't touch him. <laughs> I can't believe they touch him. I know. That, well, you know, and I'm like. Touch you? I can't picture it. <laughs> well, like if if we're sitting at the um at a table and she's like right beside him, um, and she's going around, you know, and then she'll say, "And you?" and she'll. I see. It's, it's happened you one notice. time. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Mm-mm. No, no. That is hilarious that that's what really does it for you. That's what really oh. throws you out into gang warfare well, in the streets. I, I think she I touched think, his shoulder. Well, I think it's because I don't like to be touched. Like if I'm out and about and, you know, looking cute or whatever, and I don't have, like, even before I was married, I don't like you to touch me. You don't know me. You don't touch me. Don't touch me. Um, I always hated and that. And there like, she is, ladies and gentlemen, Jenny your- from the hood. <laughs> she has made an appearance on the show today, and there she is. <laughs> I don't like it. They would grab my hand, and I'd be like, you don't know You would me. never make it in the South. People just slap you right on the back. <laughs> hey, how you doing? No. Um, can, can I slide through here and just tap you on the shoulder? Yeah, that would be, Yeah. You Californians are weird. We we touch people here in the <laughs> South. Don't touch them. Yep. My husband would probably give you and Kevin both a big old hug. Hey, man, how's uh, it going? Oh, well, that's so. fine because we know you. But if we don't know you, you don't oh, touch us. So that's <laughs> okay. All right. When we look at these as a whole, they all seem unhealthy. Mm. So yeah. are these healthy? Should we have protest behaviors? What do healthy protest behaviors look like? Well, I mean, I guess when we're talking about healthy behaviors, that is as much as we can, you know, when we're feeling these threats or these triggers is can I be as grounded in myself as possible, have that space to consider how do I want to respond in this moment? So we're really looking here, and this is a lot about, you know, if I think about what people genuinely come to work on me or with me around, it would be transforming reactions to responses. Mm. And I think that's the thing. And that's like I was saying, could we find some pros in these? Sure. You know, if it is like we were saying with the re- withdrawing to choose to take some time away. You know, and that there's times where with the keeping score, if we're early dating, that we might keep a bit of an eye on effort mm, with mm-hmm. being really careful with it. You know, there there can be some pros and cons. You know, there is a time to establish that that contact, but when it is that reactive state and it doesn't feel good to us and it does feel like we're acting out of character, mm. that's when it's reaction, right? Compared to those conscious responses. Mm. that feel more aligned with who we are and that are good for the relationship. You know, what makes your partner feel good as well? I think a good examination of the truth is always helpful before a reaction. 
Because so many of these reactions, Mm -hmm. we give these reactions because of what we're perceiving as truth in a split second versus what real truth is when we really, you know, hold that up to the lens of fact and the lens of, you know, history and the lens of the entire relationship. Is it in this person's character or would there be any expectation that they really feel that way or they're really being that way with us or is something just igniting us today? And that's on us. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's always a good idea to, can you address an issue outside of an emotional moment in that? Can like, you? Well, like I always think if we can ask ourselves that question, like nothing is ever resolved with arguments. I mean, when people's emotions are super heightened. But if I go to my husband or my friend and say later, when things are calm, things are fine and say, you know, I want to talk to you about something. When this happened, you know, this made me feel a certain way. And it's not accusatory. Mm -hmm. It's not like when you did that, it's like when this happened, or (laughs) I might say you did that, but the the responsibility (laughs) is how I felt that, you know, I'm taking that on myself. I felt this way. Then it's upon them to take it upon themselves what they con- did to contribute to that. But I found that very much more healthy than to uh, have these immediate protest behaviors. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. Having that space to come back to yourself, to basically be more present in your body. Because often when we go into the reactive states, we're, we're essentially leaving our body. You know, we're going to the past or we're going to the future. And if we can be in the present, and often that is going to mean having to take a moment Mm. to, as much as we can, we might need to take longer. There's not always going to be, you know, the the right situation for us to take longer. So that's Mm -hmm. when it's, well, can I just be as present as possible? But yeah, if we can let things unfold naturally for those facts to play out, for us to see, you know, is this story in my head sometimes... I convinced myself that this is my boundary, you know, and by the time I've calmed down, I realized, no, no, that wasn't a boundary. That was just in that moment, me demanding that this is my boundary and this is who I am. And actually, when I calmed down, I realized, oh, no, I don't you really know, I love feel like you that. talking about too, that. <laughs> that the boundaries are set in advance. Boundaries should not mm. be set on the spur of the moment that this is not my yes. new boundary. That should be set way in advance way and well thought out and communicated clearly to people who are closest to us. Um, you know, I think too. I have a voice all... that very much can say, "Sorry," as I was say, I have it. a voice in my head that can very much say, "This is a boundary. This is a boundary." In that moment, well, plus that's and a I'm buzzword like, yeah, a we all want to say because we feel like, mm-hmm. like, I, there's things yes. in life like if you play the Jesus card, the word boundary, or the rook card in cards, those are those are non-negotiables. You win, kind of thing. And I think when we start to manipulate those and we overuse them, then it no longer has any impact whatsoever. But I love that you talked about acting out of character because I do think we all have our triggers. Like for Christina, it's if you touch Big Kevin. For me, if you choose, if you're unkind to my children, a mama bear has no ability to oh, yeah. address children, this later. Usually, is, yeah, a big thing mm, for me too. Mm. I'm going to come for you, but Mm -hmm. one thing I know is I've said to my friends in trying to be a good friend to them, when I see them about to do something, I know they're going to regret. I remind Mm. them that your response and your behavior to a situation 
is reflective of you. And that's what people are going to remember about you. And that's what they're going to say about you. No matter what has precipitated the behavior, the response is going to be labeled as you. And if this is out of character, you don't want that. And is it worth it to make a point or whatever? And I try to remember that myself is this, you know, no matter what is precipitated, that this response is on you, girl. And this is how you're going to be labeled. So that's one thing that's been really helpful to me to remember, you know, acting out of character, acting outside of yourself. That's the terms I usually use with my kids. You know, don't let things cause you to act outside of who you want, who maybe you not even are right minute, but who you are desiring to be. Is this Mm -hmm. the way that person would act or behave? And that's really just been super helpful to me. Just so we're clear, Carly Ann, I'm one of her children because she has to tell me that all the time. <laughs> I did not mean to be any names, Christina. <laughs> Christina uh, is 10 years younger than me. And, you know, I think, too, when we're we're feisty people, Christina mm-hmm. and I both, we're extremely mm-hmm. passionate. When you're mm-hmm. hyper-passionate, that pendulum is a broad swing from mm-hmm. everything is great to always going down, you know. <laughs> and I think I appreciate you have people in my lives that temper me a little bit. They'll say, okay, you can do this, but is this the way you want to be seen and known as? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. comments, Carly Ann, other techniques? Yeah, for me, it, is, it was that first just inner knowing of knowing that this isn't who I am. And I think it's really powerful. This is one of the things I really love about attachment theory in chats like this is when you start to realize, okay, yes, I am acting in certain ways and they don't feel, they just don't feel like who I am. I think that's really powerful, but there are going to be times that we still act out of character. And I think just the more we build that awareness of, you know, you say if you know the protest behaviors, which one of these don't feel like you, mm-hmm. you'll know because of how you feel afterwards yeah. you mm. know, and how you feel after. So for me, that's kind of where I started is the gray area because now I'm thinking about all but you know when I do speak I can still get that hangover afterwards so it's really having to know when it's protest and when you need to speak up Mm -hmm. isn't yeah oh my goodness I still get that the the destruction you have created the bomb you let off I (laughs) love that you know well and we talk a lot about friendships here on midlife mics and be the best you know women we can be and let's be those women that'll tap your friend on the arm when she's and in a very loving way and say, this is not you. Yeah. Before this she keys somebody's car. Yeah. Before she cuts somebody <laughs> in the Denny's because they asked Kevin how he wanted his pancakes prepared. Um, but I think we can be good friends doing that and learning that learning until we can do it for ourselves surrounding yourself with just these high quality people mm-hmm. and yeah, super absolutely. healthy relationships could be a helpful way to get started and even say to your friends, I can get a little crazy if you see me doing that. Could this just be our symbol that you tap me or we're going into a high stress situation for me? If you see me starting mm-hmm. to get, could you just tap me on the arm or offer me some water or restrain me? Christine, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, take a straight no, jacket. I, no, I could just envision us in a Denny's <laughs> and I'm picking her five foot self up off the floor <laughs> and her boots and hands are flying at some waitress. I vision this happening. Listen, <laughs> carrying her outside was, to calm down. 
when I was younger, I I'll, I'll share this. And and so hostility really is a big thing for me and withdrawing. Like those two things are are my protection. Like that's what comes out. And um, I remember being at a bar one time. So nothing good happens, right? From a story starting with, I was at a bar one time. I was at a bar one time with one of my uh, cousins and this, this guy and this girl were there and the guy kept looking at me. This was way before I was married. He kept looking at me and I was like, why is he looking at me? Whatever. Well, the girl got really mad and she came over and she punched me and I had a beer <gasps> bottle and I went to go swing it at because I was like, you are not going to punch me. Like, I'm going to swing this because I get very angry and I will just start throwing fists. Like, just, but I've come a long way. I will say. I throw words. Christine throws fists. I throw words. <laughs> but I've come a long way. I've, I'm using my words now because. I've noticed that um, that anger is just I, I I don't like the way it sits in my body. Like I don't like the way. Mm. Well, it don't feels. you think it's a sign of maturity and growth and health when we can pause? Yeah, yeah. just pause for one minute. So much. Yeah, just yeah. Any other helpful tips, Carly Ann, for? She's not learning a lot about unhealth. us. She, she's like, these ladies. She's are thinking they, there's not enough money <laughs> in the world that I would take on these two. No, not at all. But do you know, a lot of people are asking, like, how do I control it in, in the moment? Because one thing I have to say about this information is that when it comes to moving towards more secure, Definitely people can start to know the logic mm -hmm. and have all the insights, but it always it doesn't always influence how you then actually show up in the moment when you're triggered. And so, yes, I would say starting to know your own toolbox and for which emotion, because what helps me if I'm feeling jealous is something that's different if I'm feeling sad. Mm -hmm. I think really knowing your toolbox as much as possible. But my number one tip or strategy, whatever you want to call it, is to absolutely have practice outside of those moments. I know it takes effort. I know it might seem unfair and it takes this extra kind of commitment, but we have to be practicing our grounding tools, mm -hmm. our mindfulness tools, whatever it might be, between the sessions, especially when it comes to attachment difficulties. This is why I have a whole membership just dedicated to where I share. It's not even just about sharing the tools I use. It's about sharing how often I'm using them. You know, look at how much I have to practice if I want to be in the relationship I'm in. Because mm. I wouldn't be able to hold down this relationship otherwise. You know, he's not going to be love with someone that's like knowing, <laughs> Taking that moment to assess how you really, what you're really feeling. I love that. I think that's, again, part of yeah. the pause. What am I really feeling? Am I really angry? Am I hurt? Why am I hurt? Am I being silly or is this real? Is Can this be handled at a later time when the emotions are not high? Mm. Because we know when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And, you know, I think when we can just take those few steps, you know, and ask a few key questions, that's going to change a lot of it. So, gosh, another great you know episode, Carly Ann. <laughs> so yes. much here thank you well if people wanted to work with you or get more information from you how do they find you so i i do have a podcast as well in youtube which is a good place if you just want to explore the information my youtube has like endless videos on attachment tips and so does my podcast the podcast is lessons in love 
YouTube, search Carly Ann Attachments. And, lessons um, in love. Instagram. Yeah, Lessons in Love. Very active on Instagram, which is Carly.AnnNoe underscore. That's where I'm most active. I wish I wasn't, but I love it. I find it really easy. <laughs> Uh, I mean, trying to build up my YouTube. <laughs> that's my attention span level is more yeah. Instagram versus yeah. YouTube. So that's where I get my all my education, my pickleball <laughs> tips, my diet plans. Do you plans. want on Instagram? It yeah. is on Instagram. Yeah. I, a YouTube oh, video. That's too long for me. That's too long. Yep. Oh, well, so interesting. I was always a go to YouTube person. That's Christina. In the Christina midst of a triggering a moment. Yeah, I'll watch a and video. It doesn't matter who put the video out. If Christina saw the video on YouTube, it's legitimate 100% what we should do and the way things should go. So. <laughs> That's me as well. I love it. The the Encyclopedia Britannica of today is YouTube. YouTube. Well, gosh, another great episode. So much fun yes. with both you gals. Carly Ann, you're such a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but that British accent makes you sound even like probably 10 points on the genius scale smarter than what you even already are so i love it but christina what do we always say until next time go and get your moxie on bye bye now bye